Welcome to Women Winning Divorce. I am your host, Heather Quick. I am an attorney, entrepreneur, author, and founder of Florida Women's Law Group, the only divorce firm for women by women. I love thinking big, thinking outside the box, creating creative solutions for women and empowering women to win in all aspects of their life. Our approach at Florida Women's Law Group is to provide women with a strategy to not only achieve their objectives, but win at life. I believe that what may show up as adversity is simply an opportunity to change and improve your life. In each episode, I sit down with innovative professionals and leaders who are focused on how you can be your best self before, during, and after divorce. In these conversations, we are looking at how women can win at life. I have the unique opportunity to meet women when they are at a transition period of life, but that is only the beginning to becoming your best self and winning at life on your terms. With our guests, we enjoy the opportunity to explore ways all women can win and enhance their life, no matter where they are in their journey, because divorce is just a point in life, not the end and not what defines you, rather a catalyst for your growth. Welcome to today's episode of Women Winning Divorce. I'm Heather Quick, owner and attorney of Florida Women's Law Group. Today, I'm joined by J.D. Fleischer, my executive assistant, um, and also a big part of our office and team. And um, she is going to be asking me some questions today. So we're flipping it around a bit, which is always fun. So welcome to the show, J.D. Thank you, Heather. I'm so excited. Let's do it. Well, today we are going to talk about busting some divorce myths. Okay, this is going to be good. We'll find out, right? Exactly, exactly. We're going to be myth busters today. I'm super excited, and I'm going to start off with an easy one today. The first myth is your spouse must agree to the divorce. Um, Right. Well, that not in Florida. That is not true um, because we are a no-fault state. Now, Obviously, the law varies from state to state, and it um, it may be different where you are. And some states require separation. You know, there's a lot of different things. But in Florida, we are a no-fault state. So if, and you know, um, if you decide you are done and your spouse does not, and that happens a lot. You know, that's very common, J.D., where, where people are, one side is ready to move forward and the other does not want to see the marriage is over, even though I think eventually, um, you know, um, I think people come to that realization, you know, that, hey, if this person doesn't want to be with me, then there probably is some things there, issues there, and maybe I need to look at that. But if you're done, you can file and you know, as the person maybe who might not want divorce, your husband doesn't want to divorce. It's still going to happen, right? It's, it may make it a little bit more challenging. It probably will, but it's still going to happen. The court process exists and it doesn't require both people to agree that the marriage is irretrievably broken. So is that what the no fault divorce means here in Florida? It does, right? Because it used to It used to be that you did have to prove fault. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I do think that this is, this is very helpful to women because frankly, women used to not be able to get a divorce, right? But a man could, but 
if there was adultery, but a woman had no cause or she would have to prove a reason to be able to get a divorce. So now it just means like, if you don't want to be married anymore, you are not married anymore. I mean, you have to go through the whole process, right? Which if you listen to the show, there's a lot more to it, but you do not, even though the court's going to ask you why and, you know, understanding what it means when the marriage is irretrievably broken, you don't have to have what someone might say in air quotes, a good reason, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to. Right. And yeah. nobody has to do anything really bad either, right? We always think, oh, they must have done something terrible. Not always. That's what I think about with the no-fault divorce. Um, and so going off of that, this isn't exactly a myth, but it's something that we hear a lot where people think that they can go and get the correct papers from the courthouse and do it themselves. What is your expert opinion on this statement? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a big fat no, yeah. no, no. And, and and for so many reasons, and I I do, um, you know, I don't agree with the state of Florida in that they put all these forms out there to make it appear as though this is that simple. It's not small right. claims court. And small claims court, I will tell you, can still be kind of complicated and confusing. Mm-hmm. But you um, you know, if you want to get it done the right way, you you have to hire a divorce attorney, um, someone who has been educated in the law and they have experience in the law to guide you through the process. So don't just ask your brother who is, you know, a real estate attorney or a criminal attorney and they, they ought to know better, right? And the divorce laws are, there are statutes, but there's case law. And then there's how the courts react and things. So there's so much more to it. And if you have any property or children and anything of value to you, don't do it on your own. You are setting yourself up for failure and worse off, worse off than that is you may do things that we cannot fix, right? You may go hire another attorney, try to do it on your own. And then you're going to come back to us and it's not done. And I have told, I've said this more than once, it's going to cost you twice as much. So go on, go screw it up. And now if I can even fix it, if right. we can fix it, or if, you know, you lose time, right? Time is our one commodity. It's an equalizer. We only have so much of it. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's really important that if you're going to go through it, invest in an attorney and invest in that and think of that as part of an investment in your future. Yeah, that is great advice. Um, Do you have to be separated for a period of time before you can file for divorce in Florida? No, there's no period of separation. And additionally, many times um, I'm asked, well, can we have a legal separation? And and that really, you can have an agreement, Mm -hmm. but there is, you know, we would not file that here in Florida. That that is something that is... um, does exist in other states, North Carolina for one of them. I, I had a um, an attorney from North Carolina on the podcast, a few of them, and that's different there. And but not in Florida, that is not required at all. It, there's no time period. I, I mean, it does take time to get divorced, a lot more time to get divorced than it does to get married. But um, right. there's no waiting period, and there is nothing in the law saying, "Hey, you must be separated for a period of time." Okay. What if one spouse is refusing to sign or acknowledge the divorce paperwork? How does that work? Um, This is a really good question because the only way this happens is when you, and I'm going to say you clients, you ladies who are like, I just think we should, he's going to sign. Let's just give it to him. Again, time, time ticks away. Why are we wasting time? Get him served. 
This is a lawsuit. The law requires formal notice of a lawsuit, which means we hire a process server and it's not anything intimidating or adversarial. It is a process of the law. It's your due process right in the law and it is absolutely required. So have a process server, hand it to him, and then they go file it with the court. He has been served. That is what that means. It is part of our constitution. It has to happen instead of, you know, messing around, thinking they're going to agree to to receive the papers. They don't have to. They don't have to agree to receive. And they I've had, I think right. we had one case where they were intent, they were definitely willfully trying to avoid the process server. And we brought the process server in, I think, at one time. And it's like, I can see him high behind the curtain. Right. You know, so just again, that's part of having an attorney and listening to why, because I know that your time is a precious commodity and it's taken you probably a really long time to get to this point to file for divorce. So why are you going to intentionally put two week, four week delays in front of you? Um, because right. every process, every like thing that we have to do, think of it as a timeline. You check that box. Now it starts a clock of the time. And so the more times you do these delays, the longer it ends up. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, it's been 12 months. And I'm not divorced. Well, it's because you don't want to listen to your attorney. Right. And, and I think that, you know, many women need to hear that and understand that, you know, we are, we're doing this for your benefit. Absolutely. I got say, off on a tangent. I'm no, sorry, that was, but that was, that was good. <laughs> but it's me fired that- up that situation is a little more complicated. Say your spouse lives in a different state or country. What if that one spouse can't be located to be served? So those are two different things because we have, we have ways to serve folks. We just hire process service in different states. So hire, okay. living in a different state, if, if this is where this divorce needs to be filed, mm-hmm. serving them in a different state is fine. That is okay. Um, and that can be done. And even in another country a little bit more challenging, even on a military base in another country, again, or military base in um, the U.S., a little more challenging and understand that is not your run of the mill. It's going to take more time and probably a little bit more resources to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Now, that second thing is if they can't be located, um, then we have to pretty much do a due diligence search, which is there's a lot of different things you have to do to search for them. And then you can do a divorce by what is called publication. Again, goes back to constitutional law and your due process to have notice that you have a suit against them. So there are, there are ways to do okay. it, but you've got to meet it. Um, so just, you know, you might say, Hey, they left and, you know, went to South America. I haven't seen them in 10 years. I have no idea where they are. So it will take some time to check all those boxes to prove that to the court. Right. Um, but it can be done. Okay. Gotcha. Now, will a divorce be granted even if one spouse contests it? In, in I mean, the end of the day, yes. However, it, it, it can get delayed. So in order to for the judge to determine and grant a divorce, obviously, if the one spouse, is if he's fighting it the whole time, that means you're going to go to a trial. Um, but part of that is the court is going to ask, the judge is going to want to know from you if the marriage is irretrievably broken. 
-hmm. Now, your husband may say it's not. And the, the court can inquire if they want, but what the court has the power to do and what is written in the law is that if one party requests that the judge order counseling, the judge can do that. Now, most of your family law judges have been around for a while and they're like, all right, you know, mandatory counseling may not, you know, does not always really work as well, but um, it can be done. And, and sometimes, sometimes it's helpful. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes one spouse or the other is using that as a tool for manipulation and control. Mm -hmm. Um so it's, you know, sometimes the husband will be like, oh, I still want counseling. And the wife's like, we've been two or three times. I'm over it. Nothing's going to work. We've done it. A lot of times, if they have previously been in counseling, the court is not going to order it. And even if they do, they're only going to order it a period of time. It, it can happen. But then the, then the case will move forward. And the judge can make decisions, even if your husband is staying the whole time. I don't want a divorce. I disagree with this that it, again, it will prolong the process without a doubt, but you can, you will still get a divorce eventually. That makes sense. This one I hear a lot. So I think this is going to be a good one. Is it a truth or a myth that you shouldn't leave the marital home until the divorce is final? Okay. That one is my absolute, you know, classic favorite answer. It depends. Okay. There are very few absolutes that you must do, you, sh you must not do in divorce. Mm -hmm. And we should have a show on that because I have a list of plenty of those things. Um, and, and, you know, but I would say that is going to depend on your situation, on the home, on the, um, the level of animosity and um, tension between the two of you, the finances and children. So there's a lot that comes into play with that. And I think that, in the past, years past, I'd hear, um, you know, clients say, well, I met with this friend. They're like, got to keep the house, got to keep the house. And it's like, well, why? Mm -hmm. You know, I need to know from you, what do you want to do, right? That's what it comes down to is what are your goals and objectives and where do you see yourself? You know, many times they're in a house. I've heard this plenty of time. They're like, you know what? One, I, I don't want to do this on my own. This might be too much work. Two, I don't love the school zone and maybe they're in private school now, but we get divorced and, you know, I've heard this a lot and we'll just move to St. John's County. We want to go put them in those schools and mm -hmm. it'll make things a lot better. So that's an answer that I, you know, it's not always a yes or no, right? It is something that you should, if you are in any danger whatsoever, you should absolutely leave. That is an absolute and, and you should definitely seek those resources. But otherwise, I think you should talk about it with your attorney. You should understand the financial implications one way or another. And you need to understand what's going on with the kids. So I think I would I would strongly recommend don't do that. That's a drastic move moving out um, without some more information uh, or without talking to an attorney and understanding your situation. And now if your husband wants to just leave, again, you better talk to an attorney because it's he might be thinking I'm, I'm moving out and I'm not paying the bills. And that Absolutely. is going to be a problem. And, and that may be a reason to initiate the divorce, maybe even sooner than you thought in order to make sure the bills keep getting paid. Right. In the movies and the TV shows, just modern media, we often see that divorce is always ugly and nasty and fought out in court. Is this true? According to your experience? I would say uh, no, it, that's going to be our 5%. And the ones that right. are, are like the ones that are, and, and that's unfortunate. 
Um, but you know, it takes years to get to that point where you really hate the person that you've married. Um, so it's not something we can really unravel or undo in the divorce action. Right. That tends to stem from just a lot of, a lot of bad feelings. And, um, and sometimes, you know, comp complex assets and more money, but it, um, it can happen, but it, it's not the norm. It is not the norm. The norm is more of mediating, advocating for your position, but really coming to an agreement that works for both parties. Absolutely. And I think, like you said, it's not the norm. So something that's more typical, and I think a lot of times our clients experience this. So I think your advice would be invaluable on this topic. Say my spouse has my best interest at heart. We'll just do mediation and it'll be fine if we leave attorneys out of it. What do you think about that? That's a big fat no too. <laughs> yeah. um, because the thing is, I, I just, this is my belief is that that is not communicating correctly to you as if he's going to be so magnanimous and mediate with you. Okay. Mediation is required. We spend a lot of time in mediation with our clients and they have their attorney. And so no one's doing you any favors by saying, let's just you and I go mediate. Really? You should, you should go not understanding your legal rights, not having anyone on your side right. and resolve all of your issues in your marriage. It, it, that's just, that is not wise. You don't have legal advice. A mediator cannot give you legal advice at all. They don't represent you. Right. So, um, and we can follow up a little bit more on that um, after our first break. Um, but we do have to take our, our first break. And um, listeners, if you are enjoying this show and believe that um, other women would like it, we'd ask that you leave us a five-star review um, in order to get our podcast out there to women who are interested. We are back from our break. And again, today I'm joined by J.D. Fleischer, and we are discussing some divorce myths. And specifically in this segment, we're talking about financial divorce myths as we get into this segment. Yeah, so we're gonna start off with a hot topic, prenups, also known as a prenuptial agreement. Are they indicative of that you want to get divorced or maybe don't plan on being married for a long time? What do you think, Heather? So as a divorce attorney for over 20 years, I think that a prenup is just a very smart way to enter into a marriage. Because if, you know, when you buy a house, you do an inspection and you do all your due diligence. If you're going to buy a business or go into a partnership with somebody, you're going to investigate and you're going to understand the financial implications um, and kind of have an agreement as to how things are going to work. Um, you know, we just don't do that in in marriage. We think everything, it's just, you know, it's happily ever after and that would be unromantic. Um well, divorce is pretty unromantic. I will tell you that. And you are going to get divorced according to the laws of the state that you live in. Many, many of us are, you know, like our independence and um, want to be able to dictate how that would be. And that's what you can do in a prenup is say, you know what, if this doesn't work and, and right now, hey, I love you. I hope it works. Right. Right. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll beat the odds. But while I am sitting here today, still thinking, you know, of how much I love you and I want this to go forever. I want to say, if we get divorced, let's plan this out in a loving way as to how we would want to treat each other and how we would want it to go. 
Um, because that would be the intelligent and um, really financially responsibly way to do it. So um, that is why as a prenup, even if, even if, you know, um, you're in your twenties getting married, it, you could, it at least prompts the opportunity to have a lot of good questions and discussions that most, most people getting married do not have. Absolutely. Now going off of that, are prenups, this is another myth we hear all the time, really just for the ultra rich and wealthy, or should everyone get a prenup? No. And that's where I think everyone should get a prenup and really talk about, because again, it's not, it's just like, which nobody does this, but um, you know, financial counseling, you come to a marriage and that's, you know, one of the biggest reasons that marriages don't make it are, are finances and money issues. And you come into it with your own financial beliefs, understandings, just based on how you grew up and the way you look at money and the wealth and that in and of itself might really save your marriage. And I think if prenups are done the right way with the education and with a thought of we don't want to spend, say, our children's college fund, right? Our, our children that aren't yet born, but we don't want to spend that on a divorce. Let's talk about how this would be. Right. All right, Heather, myth or fact? Our assets will be split 50-50 down the middle. So again, it depends, um, but marital assets. So that's where, you know, that's where the attorneys always get to, you know, it's like, well, it, the, the wording matters. And so marital assets will start with an equitable distribution, which is 50, 50. And that's where it starts. There may be reasons to that, that might not be, but you're, you know, I think that's a good understanding when you're going in and what I really want our listeners to hear is because I know the question was assets, but I'm here to tell you it's going to be debts too. And in most marriages, there's a spender and a saver. And when the saver is our client, she's going to go, well, that's my, those are my savings and that's my 401k and his credit debt, it's his. And I'll say, I know it's in his name, but in divorce court, your 401k, your savings are his too. And his debt is yours too. Right. So if you're listening to this and that just blows you away, that means you guys got to talk about your finances. And I know we just talked about prenups, but maybe it's time for a postnup on these financials. And um, because, yes, that's going to be split. And it, as painful as it is to know that the assets are going to split 50-50, it's way more, I, I see more shock in in our clients' faces about the debt. Yeah. And that really, that's like, what? This isn't mine. And, you know, I just am not even going to get into how difficult, if at all, like we're able to say, this is just his. It, it right. doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about that either. Um, now, is there a way to exclude things from being divided? Say you have a painting that's a family heirloom or other things that you don't want to be considered in the asset division. Um. If it's an inheritance or sometimes, sometimes let's say the painting, maybe that was a, you know, a gift, uh, mm -hmm. you know, pre-inheritance gift, but it needs to be pretty clear. Inheritance is easy, but as long as you don't right. commingle it. Right. Um, and, and you need to, you know, identify things and, and how they are. So generally, I think for most folks, they need to recognize it's all going to get split. 
Okay. All marital things are going to get split. And then some things that are non-marital may have a marital component. So, you know, that's where it gets complicated and it requires um, a detailed look at it and um, to determine, well, is it all marital or not? And what part's not marital? And did you sufficiently keep it separate? Right. If things like retirement, things in a trust, that would all fall under that category as well. Retirement is, it depends because you, if you were working and putting money into that retirement during the marriage, Mm -hmm. even though it started before the marriage, there will be a marital component to it. So some of it, like for easy math, let's say, you know, you've been working at this place for 10 years, you've been married five. Okay. So that, you know, for, and it's not going to be a straight percentage because of compound interest. And so you're going to want to maximize whatever your non-marital portion and and not just say, oh, okay. But for this purposes, I think it shows like, okay, so half of my retirement is marital in 50%. You know, I was working during 50% of the time this was put in. So then that might get split in half. The marital portion will be divided. And that's where the math comes in because you know, all that front money in that has more value than the second half because of the compound interest. So we usually get a financial evaluation in order to have a clear picture, because if it's your money being split, you don't want, you know, you want, um, you want to keep as much of it as you can. If, if it's, you know, that's for the husband's attorney to do if it's his, right. I'm not going to just offer to give you, give you less. Right. Right. Is it true that alimony is only awarded to women? Um, no. Right. That is not true. The alimony is based on um, ability to pay and need and length of marriage and, and a lot of other things. Traditionally, it has been. And when I say traditionally, I, I'm talking, you know, people now who've been married 50, 60 years. Right. And if we think about the really for me, it's more my grandparents age. Those were, um, you know, your World War Two folks. Now they're, of course, deceased baby boomers, a lot more dual dual working. And so um, and, you know, in the um, Gen X, we, we have more women bread owners than than even before. So right. it, that's where alimony comes into play. I think that. You know, we historically, and I think even now we see alimony is awarded to women more often than men, but that could just be in, you know, this particular area of the country. There are going to be other more urban areas where you might see more of the fathers having more of a stay at home involvement with the children where the wife is the breadwinner. Therefore she might be more, you know, subject to potentially paying alimony to her husband, more exposure. So I think it's really, um, it's changed a little in regards to with society over the years. Well, that leads me into my next question. Cause I want to talk about the infamous Florida permanent alimony. Is that awarded very often? Um, I would say, um, probably, yeah, I mean, yeah, but the cases have to really specifically narrowly fit that 
um, that definition. Okay. And again, what I was talking about, I mean, but you're going to see that in the 40 plus years of marriage yep. um, where the, it was very much, you know, what you would think of as um, that historical, um, oh, what was that show? Like, like a leave it to beaver or even mm-hmm. Brady Bunch, even though that was probably racy Brady Bunch, like, you know, a blended family or something like that. Right. But where the mom was just at home. Right. And never, ever really did anything. Yes. I've, I've had a ton of cases in the past 20 years. Well, and probably, you know, 25% of those out of all cases were definitely permanent alimony. Um, they, they really absolutely fit that definition, but, um, many just because they had met the years married requirement, they were still really young or they were educated and there were opportunities so maybe it wasn't going to be permanent, mm-hmm. but, um, I think prior to this, you know, I would say 25% at least of the long-term marriages were certainly permanent alimony type cases. Wow. That's interesting. All right. But now it's no longer valid. Like, I guess okay. we do need to, that doesn't right, exist that's... anymore. Permanent <laughs> alimony does not exist in the state of Florida. Um, and So I apologize because yes, we've done that for so long and I know that, but for our listeners, that is no longer an option. However, there are still lots of types of alimony and there are a lot of exceptions that are new in the law. So don't get too devastated and reach out to an attorney if if that's a a big concern of yours. Right, right. All right, Heather, we got another truth or myth. Okay. I don't pay unless you as my attorney win my case, or I can use my settlement to pay attorney's fees. So, um, no, that is a a personal injury type case, contingency cases. And I do want to explain on one hand, that's just not allowed in the state of Florida to take a divorce case on a contingency. That is against the rule, our professional ethics rules. You cannot take a divorce case as a contingency and um, similar with a criminal case. You can't do that. Only pay me if you win, like you can't. So, but it does work in the personal injury and um, that realm. So no, you have to pay your attorney um, throughout in a divorce case. And you may, you know, you may receive, you know, more sums and use some of that to pay your attorney's fees that that can happen. But I want to be clear, it can't be anything you enter into a contract with, with your attorney that I'm going to, and I, in, in this manner saying, okay, I'm going to get, you know, 30% of your settlement. Like that would not be allowed. And I, I want to clarify that because It's very well known. It's a great system in personal injury cases. It's just not allowed in family law type cases in Florida. But can you request your spouse to pay for your legal fees? Yes. And you can always request that. And the law provides for that. But often, you know, during the divorce, sometimes we're putting it on credit cards and that's joint marital debt or it's coming out of marital money. So Mm -hmm. again... Yes, we ask, but all the money being marital. And so therefore, really, he did pay for half of it anyway. And you paid for half of his. So Right. Now, for our last myth in this segment, the court will assign me an attorney if I can't afford one or don't have one. That is a no. No, that is only 
available in criminal cases where you um, have the potential for um, jail more than six right. months. So no, that is in the criminal realm. The court is not assigning you any attorneys. Um, so you need to find one to represent you. Great. Now, that has been great. This is a great time for our second break. Um, and listeners, we would so appreciate it if you left us a review so that other women going through the divorce process can find our show. Well, we are back from our last break. And again, today I'm joined by JD Fleischer and she is interviewing me today. And in this last segment, we are discussing, discussing custody, child support, and time sharing myths. Go for it, J.D. I was going to say, no, Heather, custody is always in favor of the mother, right? Is this true for us here in Florida? It is not. (laughs) It is not. And I know you said that with a smile on your face because you've been working here long enough, of Mm -hmm. course, to know that. But so first, custody, um, that word seems to imply that is something you own and possess. In Florida, it is called timesharing. And so we do not use the word custody when we are talking about children. We say we are sharing time with them. And as far as that goes, there is a premise in the law that the parents will have equal timesharing of their children. So the belief that the mom gets the children more often than um the father is, it's just not as, not as common anymore. Right. Now, say you don't trust the dad to parent on his own. Will the judge agree with me? And will he see that, or will they see that he is unfit to parent solo? So that it dep- it really is going to be very dependent on the facts. And, and when we talk about being unfit to parent alone, like losing that ability, He's really got to have a mental disease or disorder and a diagnosis um, or some serious substance abuse that we can really dig into some psychological issues. Um, right. You know, and I I have been doing this long enough. I've, I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of women over the years and I get it. He doesn't bathe them as good as you and he doesn't put them to bed on time and feeds them junk food. Right. Now, sometimes the food could really cause problems. I recognize that. Um, and that's an issue that's on medical care, you know, for kids who may have issues, but, um, you know, for the ladies listening, I got to tell you, you chose this guy to have a child with, and he's, he's entitled to parent them and it's going to be an uphill battle. There are some, I mean, and we have fought them and we have won on, on the parenting and, and men who were unfit. Right. Um, and, and we've defended some women that had a lot of issues that, um, they may have found to be unfit and they weren't. Um, so it is, you know, the courts really don't have a lot of sympathy it, for your disagreement for the way he's going to parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's looking at their safety and by safety, I mean, their health and wellness, their safety, right? Like, is he threatening them? Are they going to be in danger? And yes, you know, and, and you can get caught up in, well, long-term, you know, they'll get overweight and fat if they continue to eat like this. It's going to have to be more than that. You know, we, we see the courts and the judges see really extreme cases. And it's always, I bring that up because not to um, minimize your issues, but yet the judge is going to, 
they're a human being. They've seen some terrible cases and of neglect and abuse that they're not, they may or may not be sympathetic. And there are a lot of, a lot of cases where, you know, that parent probably needs some help and work and, and that's going to require evidence, not just your opinion as the mom. Uh, and, and we can get that evidence and we can do that if, if you're willing to do what it takes and hire the right people to help us, you know, get to that answer right. so that they can testify to the judge. Right. Now, what about child support? Say you stop paying child support. Will you lose visitation or custody rights? You will not. You will not. Those are, um, you know, that's paying child support. You have to do allowing the parents to have time sharing. You have to do, they're not mutually exclusive. If you, I mean, or they are mutually like just because you didn't pay doesn't mean you get to see them just because you don't see them. Doesn't mean you don't have to pay. Like they just mm -hmm. both have to happen. And if they're not, you have to seek the child support. That remedy is not taking away their time. Okay. That makes sense. Our next myth, all of our problems are resolved after divorce. We will be better parents apart. Yeah. Yeah. For some people that's true. Mm -hmm. For some people that's true, but you got to really work at it. I think, I think that all parents have to work at it continuously um, to be good parents and to co-parent is difficult even when you love that person because you both come from different, you know, backgrounds and families of origin and you just have, you know, usually different ideas and that's where, you know, it compromises. And I think that you got to hope that to be true, right? But you, you can't never communicate with that person. And if they're a high conflict person or you're a high conflict person, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be difficult. But if you're committed to making your child seriously, that your child's best interest, seriously, the, the focal point of all decisions that you make, then yes, then at least you'll be a better parent. You cannot control the other person, but you can control the way you respond and react to them. And right. you should focus on what you have control over, but you are going to be still bound to this person by the virtue of your child. And just, you know, and they'll say, well, they're almost 18 and that's true. And that's a great thing. But if it is so difficult up until the time they're 18, those wonderful experiences and great things that are going to happen in your child's life. And they're going to want both parents there you're going to ruin for your child as an adult because you couldn't get it together and control your response. And so then the graduations, the weddings, the babies, you got to be careful. Don't get left out of that. Right. And once they're an adult, they can do that. And that would be heartbreaking for anybody. I can't imagine, but you know, if you can't let go of that emotional garbage and the hate and the anger, it, it's going to show and they're going to know. And the last thing you want is you're like, oh my God, but the dad, you know, my husband was the worst and now they hate me. Well, because you couldn't control yourself, your emotions, and just try to keep what's best for your child at the forefront, not what you think is best for you or to punish the other person. And, Absolutely. and I think then you can, and, and recognize that, you know, you and your ex-spouse are different and you're going to parent differently ideally on major things and big things, you can both put aside your egos and, and, right. and, and come to those same decisions. But that, that takes a lot of therapy and a lot of personal growth. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's worth it for yourself and for your child 
but um, that's where you got to place that, right? You got to determine that it's worth it on your own. And then it's definitely possible. Absolutely. Now, I know we touched on earlier a little bit about staying versus leaving the marital home. What if you were living in a place that you didn't like or didn't want to be living in because of your spouse? Can you move during a divorce? And how does that change if you do have children together? Um, well, that depends. Um, you, you can move, but you must, you can move within 50 miles of that residence without court permission. So if you're like, you know what, I always wanted to live in Atlanta. So we're moving. I I would not recommend that. Or, um, well, I'm just saying flat out, don't do it without permission. Um, because then that gets into a whole another uh, realm of legal requirements and things to do. So, but I would really talk to your lawyer about it. And again, you know, hopefully with your lawyer, you've already worked out what your goals are, what your objectives. So where does that line up within that? And then if it doesn't, maybe it's time to re figure out your goals, your objectives, and then wonder why you're doing that. So it does matter. It does matter when you have children together and you're sharing them and, and, you know, you're doing it in the one house and then you're moving. So a lot of things are going to be implicated and you don't have to stay living together. It's just, you need to understand the legal implications. Right. That makes sense. Um, Now, this one, I know a lot of listeners want to know, is infidelity weighed heavily in my case and how does the court punish the cheater? Oh, ladies, he doesn't punish. <laughs> she doesn't. Nobody punishes the cheater. Um, uh, I unfortunately, um, yeah. you know, there's no punishment to be had. You know, we're no fault state. We started this podcast talking about no fault. Okay, right. I think most of us would agree infidelity is fault. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a no fault, so it doesn't matter. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter because it matters to you. Absolutely, it is irrelevant. Irrelevant to the judge. Unless there has been, uh, you know, misappropriation of marital funds, and that's been used to support this extramarital relationship. And in the case of alimony, now the court can consider infidelity. So this is brand new and I can go in your way, go either way, right? It doesn't say if there's infidelity, you don't get alimony, but the court can consider it Um, and, and maybe consider it on the husband's part too, but that one, we're going to wait. So we're going to follow up on that one. It's really going to take at least a year or two, probably to see maybe some cases that are interpret that. But I think there's a lot of creative ways on both sides that we can see how that infidelity might come into a case. Mm-hmm. And prior to July, I w- my answer would have been like, no, it it's really going to be irrelevant unless you can show a lot of money that was used toward that. And by a lot of money, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars, $5,000 ladies, we're going to spend that showing it for what I'm not saying we won't, but let's be clear. If, you know, like the old, like Godfather, where they had the mistress set up in a condo and all that. Okay. That that's a lot of money, right? That's money that we need to go after. Sometimes the littler ones, yes, it matters to you. Yes. It shows that it's been done, but in the grand scheme of things, how much will come back to you? I don't know. So it's just, again, big picture, very hurtful things, very, very hurtful things, but we don't run the divorce based on our emotions. Your attorney doesn't. 
Absolutely. I think that'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few months and years. Um, but lastly, to wrap up this episode, truth or myth, Heather, my life is over after my divorce. No, I, I completely disagree with this. Now, your old life, that that part of you, that season is going to be over to some extent. But really, it's an opportunity basically to reinvent yourself, an opportunity to start over and maybe really you know, find those things about yourself that you might've put, you know, on the shelf or you just didn't deal with, or you didn't really follow your passions or do the things that you wanted to do because you were married or you felt like, well, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I've devoted my whole life and that's what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, this is an opportunity to really find yourself and to discover who you are and, and what else do you have to offer this world? Um, not that being a mother and a wife isn't great. It is, but Kids grow up and they're supposed to leave the house, right? And uh, I mean, I'm 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 only get a part way into that with the college, but you know, you you got to find a way to fulfill yourself and be a fulfillment to others. And so you may not be married anymore, but that you you are so far from having your life over. Right. There's so much more out there for you, I believe. It's good to hear. Well, thank you, JD. It's always fun being put on the spot and getting <laughs> to answer your questions. And I know these questions come from many of our listeners. So we thank you so much for providing those to us. And um, I can't wait to do it again, JD. So I know you'll be collecting more questions and <laughs> myth busters as we go throughout the year. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. Well, it was great having you. And for our listeners, if you or someone you know is going through divorce or is thinking about a divorce, of course, reach out to us at floridawomenslawgroup.com or join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. The link will be below in the episode description. Thank you for listening and please leave us a review and let us know who you'd like to be our next guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Women Winning Divorce. My goal is to elevate your life and the way you are thinking so that you are best equipped to win at life. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe so you automatically get my new shows every week. And I would love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social and join our Facebook group, Women Winning Divorce. We welcome your comments and suggestions. We want to bring you content that helps move your life forward. Women Winning Divorce is the place for an elevated conversation on how women can thrive during times of adversity in order to live their best life.